This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is Jesuit Father Gregory Chisholm, and we will be talking about the 10th anniversary of Pope Francis and the work of the Jesuit Order in Maryland. Father Greg Chisholm was born in New York City and raised in Harlem, where his family attended St. Mark the Evangelist Church. He is African American. He went to Catholic schools in Harlem and the Bronx. He holds a PhD in mechanical engineering from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology a BA in philosophy and theology from the University of London, and a licentiate in sacred theology from Weston Jesuit School of Theology in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Father Chisholm is a Jesuit and serves on the governing board of Fordham University in New York, which is also a Jesuit university. He's a fourth degree member of the Knights of Peter Clever, a Catholic fraternal organization. And he also serves as the superior of the local Jesuit community in Baltimore at Loyola University of Maryland. Welcome to the show, Father Greg. Well, thank you very much. Pope Francis's years have, as Pontiff has, have included a lot of surprises. He was elected March 13th uh, of 2013. Uh, one of those first surprises was that he was from Latin America and that he was a Jesuit. What's the significance of those two things? I think that uh, the fact that he is from Latin America uh, suggests that he has a perspective on the world that Uh, goes beyond a narrowly Eurocentric view, a view that uh, encompasses parts of the world that are not as as developed, um, that don't thrive as robustly as Europe, and and, uh, uh, parts of the world um, where um, there is less of a um, distance uh, between um, those who have and those who don't have. I think he is deeply uh, aware because of his Latin American roots um, of the challenges um, affecting people um, who have never had the advantages of a sophisticated education have never known the uh, power of using the economy for their own benefits. Those who have worn the cloak of, of faith and have, have really, I think, found a succor uh, within that, um, that cloak of faith. His Latin American roots mean that. His Jesuit connections mean that he would be a man who is experienced and versed in the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, which is um, to say that uh, he has come um, to understand the absolute significance of appreciating the love of Jesus Christ and one's identity. Um, with Jesus Christ and how 
one's uh, understanding of, of the Lord's love and one's identity with Jesus Christ can dispose one to um, seeking mostly the will of God in one's life, entirely the will of God in one's life. That aspect of his history would, would mean a great deal to his ministry. And as I listen to you say that, what I hear you saying is that when you marry those together, this idea of, of having grown up and, and lived in, uh, in Latin America where a lot of people didn't have the advantages of, of economic opportunities and this identification as a Jesuit with a love for Christ, he puts those together and really lives out that preferential option for the poor. Is that correct? Oh, I, I think uh, minimally that, uh, you know, I, I think certainly he would really identify uh, clearly with, with the poor. It would also, also mean that he, he would have a sense of the Lord's love for a broad uh, range of humanity. We have come to appreciate um, that that there are so many people who fall outside of, of the power of 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 the economy, um, the, the the power of the social organizations that that we have formed, and those people who constitute a kind of margin of society also struggle and and also are in need and may not be um, materially poor, but certainly socially poor, uh, you know? Uh, um, so it suggests that he, he would be reaching out to those who just are not part of, of what used to be called the in crowd or, you know? Right. He's also been described by some people as a Jesuit with the heart of a Franciscan. What makes that combination so fascinating? I think that, um, <laughs> you know, the, the Jesuits probably uh, uh, can be accused of, of being cerebral and can be accused, um, I think, of often focusing on, on one's understanding, intellectual understanding of, of truth, you know, um, where, whereas... Uh, one can never uh, blame uh, the Franciscans for <laughs> for for having that bias. Uh, you know, th their bias is is on the the needs of the person in front of them, whatever those needs are, and, and what whatever the level of those needs. You know, I think his heart is with not just trying to get people to understand, but, but to help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I, it, it probably sounds like a really good combination of, of head and heart. Yes. Right. Oh, oh it certainly is. Yeah. You know, his, his writings are full of, 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 of heady language, but uh, his actions are, are just about, about trying to um, be present Father Greg, the Pope often meets with Jesuit communities when he travels around the world, and he's often very frank in those gatherings. What does it mean for Jesuits to hear from Pope Francis in gatherings such as these? We had a, uh, a gathering uh, uh, recently with uh, our um, 
father general uh, recently, and uh, I, and and he talked about you know the pope and in, in, in these these kinds of situations. The Jesuits have have such a respect. Um, it's it's written into our language of vows. Has such a respect for the person of the pope that it is it is a privilege um, uh, to be able to hear the Pope speak uh, frankly about his desire and his interest um, with us. It's not something that maybe in the past we have been able to expect um, from the Holy Father. Certainly the Holy Father was always present as far as I, the history, might, I, others might, might criticize me on that history, but I think the Holy Father would always uh, make his 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 interests and concerns known uh, before our general congregation. So when those occur, he would always uh, be present, uh, wh- whoever the Holy Father was. But these these kind of uh, family chats, if you will, great description. Yeah, yeah, give us a a, a different way of receiving that that information. And, and it, it is more regular. It is more constant. It's more ongoing. Um, we would not necessarily expect that every subsequent Holy Father would, would take the time to do that. Um, but it is such a joy, um, given our respect for, for the Holy Father's office, um, to hear him uh, speak so familiarly uh, about um, matters that concern him. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Father Greg Chisholm about the upcoming 10th anniversary of Pope Francis. This is Chris Junty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We're back on Catholic Review Radio, talking with Father Greg Chisholm, a Jesuit, about the upcoming 10th anniversary of Pope Francis, a Jesuit. One of the things that I think we've seen is a great polarization in public life, and some of that is even being reflected in the church, magnified in some ways by people's attitude toward Pope Francis. People love him or hate him. Why do you think that is? I think that Pope Francis has taken the notion of evangelization to its extremes. And what that means is uh, appropriating the preaching of the Lord and, and encouraging all levels of Christianity um, to take 
that preaching, that message of the Lord um, to wherever anyone is in need. You know, it's that part of Francis of Assisi. You know, it's a, taking that message wherever there are people in need. For many uh, corners of the church, it is difficult uh, to uh, get beyond uh, the sinfulness of of certain aspects of modern life. Um, so the possibility of, of women... Um, uh, having abortions, or the possibility of of their uh, being uh, homosexual love and and things of this sort, those are are sinful behaviors that, for many in the church, it is difficult to get beyond. And so, those who might be people who have had abortions or or uh, um, encouraged abortions, those who might be uh, uh, homosexual, they are a bridge too far for, for some segments of the church. The challenge is that in the reading of the Gospels, I, I, one never gets the sense of, of the Lord having to encounter a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. The Lord is always about uh, encountering and, and being with people who are considered by the society as 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 too far out there. It, the woman at the well, you know, the, 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 the I mean, that that concept of of hate the sin but love the sinner seems to be embodied very much in Pope Francis. And he's clear about that abortion is an evil and a sin, and he's and he's clear that the church teaching on homosexual activity is not going to change. But he loves the people. Exactly. Exactly. And and. And his, his encouragement is that we have to go out to those people. We cannot let them sit outside and, and feeling as if, you know, there is no love of God for them, you know? Um, uh, no, no, no. We have to find a way to bring, you know, people who, who uh, you know, according to the two examples I mentioned, but there would be a host of examples of of people who live uh you know at the margins of of uh of of Christian society those people need need to hear of the preaching of Jesus Christ they need to hear of God's love you right. know God's God's undiminished love mm-hmm. uh, for for all men and women so what do you think will be the lasting legacy of Pope Francis Oh, that's that's a very good question. I, I I can only hope that it would would be a, a, a direction from which we never return. <laughs> that's what I would hope. I hope I hope that he has established a trajectory um, uh, regarding mercy um, that that we would never move away from. Um, that we would never let go of, that that we would always uh, think of how we might be able, in almost any situation, especially dealing with those who who have fallen afoul of our our the dictates of our our, our religion or or the doctrines of our faith or or the expectations of our society, those who have fallen afoul. 
we would we would see it as necessary to begin um, uh, an, an effort at merciful renewal um, of those margins. Merciful renewal. That's what I would say. I would I would hope that is the trajectory on which uh, our church is is set um, mm -hmm. following uh, Francis. Father Greg, I'd like to switch gears and talk a little bit about some of the work of the Jesuits in Maryland. The order has been here for centuries. In fact, the first bishop and archbishop of Baltimore was a Jesuit, John Carroll, trained in France at the College of the Jesuits. Jesuits here are involved in parish life, education, and more. What does the Jesuit mindset bring to these endeavors? We have, um, as you know, uh, uh, several examples of, of all these things. We have a, a university, um, we have two high schools, um, we have even um, uh, an elementary school, uh, several levels of elementary schools. We, we, we have two parishes and we have an effort that is designed um, to help people who are probably um, economically and socially marginalized, who have entrepreneurial uh, uh, ideas and skills um, to find a route uh, to uh, entering into um, an, uh, the active part of, of, of the uh, local economy. Um, so we call that effort, by the way, Innovation Works. It's a, it's a wonderful, um, collaboration between the Society of Jesus, local uh, budding entrepreneurs, and also local businessmen who have the skills uh, to help and, and uh, encourage um, um, budding entrepreneurs. So um, what is, what is uh, essential there is that, is that all of these ministries um, uh, realize that it is important for us um, to foster a, a, a notion that um, a God is uh, at work in the world, um, that that God is present, and and that um, we are uh, God's uh, eyes and ears and hands in the world, and can be and should be, so that. All of these uh, levels of Jesuit activity are, are involved in reaching out. All of them are involved in helping people understand uh, why we reach out. Um, helping people understand who they are and who the other is uh, in God. I cannot think of one of these Jesuit works where either students or parishioners or entrepreneurs are not taught about the value of every human being and the importance of preaching the message of, of God's love and God's care uh, in the world. And that identifying the, the dignity of every human goes also to the heart of some of the work that you and your your other your brother Jesuits have been doing. Uh, you faced really the reality that 
the order had a role in holding enslaved people. Um, and, and I know that there's been a lot of work at Georgetown, especially, but in, in other places, what, what is the impact of that? And what are some of the developments in that arena? You know, uh, coming to a sense of, of, uh, Jesuit involvement in slaveholding, um, has revealed, you know, another aspect of, of our Jesuit life that the modern Jesuits have, have come to accept um, with, with sadness. Uh, that's that we are sinners. And why would I say that in connection with, with the slaveholding? It is certainly clear the Jesuits would have understood um, uh, the value of, of human life, would have understood um, the importance of achieving the common good, you know, uh, even in the 17th century. That would have been possible. Um, and yet we made an option not for, for the common good, um, but rather for the, the um, economic sustainability of, of our missions. The decision uh, that was made not just in Maryland, uh, but in South America, uh, in Central America, in, uh, um, in, in French Canada, um, the decision that was made is that having uh, human slaves, um, uh, owning them, um, limiting their freedom was, uh, you know, legitimate and, and uh and good or positive or, or allowable and necessary. That revelation of, of our sinfulness um, is, is indeed um, sad uh, for me personally, um, but also I think for many Jesuits uh, who, are, who, who are living now and, and living the effects of, of the legacy of slavery. Um, but what it has done, um, it has also encouraged uh, contemporary Jesuits to think of ways in which we might fight back against um, of the racism that has been so part and parcel of American society. Um, um, the racism that, that is reflected in the choice of of black men and women uh, uh, as slaves, as enslaved persons. There are, uh, within the Jesuit ranks uh, in contemporary times, um, distinct and clear efforts um, to work against that racism um, in contemporary society. There is also um, an effort on the part of, of the Jesuits to um, acknowledge the sin and realize that uh, the, the sin of slavery had an enormous effect on the lives of, of uh, huge numbers of black men and women who are descendants of slaves. It is uh, very important that um, if we acknowledge that sin and, and uh, beg God's uh, uh, forgiveness for that sin, 
and beg the forgiveness of the church for that sin, um, that, that we also, um, uh, uh, in the tradition of our Catholic Church, that we also try to um, uh, repair whatever uh, wrong has been done uh, as a result of that sin. And so um, uh, one of the things that we are doing now is we, we have collaborated with a, a group of descendants of uh, Jesuit slave holding and, and have uh, developed a foundation whose, whose purpose is, uh, first of all, to um, work against um, the, the kind of systemic racism that has infected our, our culture, um, but also uh, to help um, uh, young uh, people who are descendants uh, in their efforts to achieve uh, a good education, an education that makes them uh, ready and available for the society at large. And also um, um, supporting uh, descendants who are elderly and who who need sustenance in order to survive. This foundation um, is, is designed uh, really as a way of trying um, to repair the sin and the effects of sin on those uh, against whom the sin was committed. Thank you for sharing that because I think that's important. We have been talking today with Father Greg Chisholm, who is the superior of the Jesuit community in Maryland. We've been talking about the 10th anniversary of Pope Francis and the work of Jesuits in this region. Thank you so much for being with us today, Father Greg. Thank you, Chris. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.